Hi, this is Barry Williams, and welcome to Comet Talk, a production of the BK Happy Hour Laboratory, where we share our class of 1974 stories. I'm your host, and John Addison is our co-producer and fact checker, and Jim Reed is our editor. And our guest today comes from Norman, Oklahoma. Welcome, Jerry Medina. Glad to be here. Thank you for joining us today in our BK Happy Hour, Comet Talk. And uh, love to to hear about what's going on in lovely Norman for you this week, this month, this day. Well, this week is uh, spring break for most folks in general. So the town is usually uh, a little different, but uh, I'm still pretty active in, in my oil and gas activity. So for me, it's just a, another week of uh, work to do and a lot of things kind of on the plate, so to speak. So n- not much different from uh, any other week. So you have not joined the ranks of the retired, it sounds like. I have not. I don't think I know how to spell it. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 interesting and, and fun, actually. What's it, what's it all get spelled out for you? Um, <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're, you're calling in today from Norman uh, for our podcast episode. Um, was in Norman just recently and, and or close to Norman. I was in Mustang and tornado alarm, uh, alarm oh, wow. sirens were going off everywhere. And I know there was... Norman got a little brush up a little bit. The, the east side, uh, just uh, not too far east of the Lloyd Noble Arena, it, it touched down and there's some damage in that part of town. Oh, sorry to hear that. Well, glad to hear that you're safe. And yeah, I'm on the west side. <laughs> yeah, west, west side boy. Okay, that's that's good to hear. <laughs> so, so Jerry, uh, as part of our, our discussion, we kind of like to, to get a, a lead up to uh, your time at Bishop Kelly. So, how, how did it come to be that you became a student at Bishop Kelly High School? Well, obviously, uh, came from the Saints Peter and Paul, you know, parish, and uh, that evolved obviously into the ninth grade freshman year at Kelly. I don't know if I even had a choice. It was basically that's where you're going to go, <laughs> I guess, at the end of eighth grade, so to speak. And so, uh, you know, I guess it was just always in the cards. I was going to go to Kelly and see what happened. So you did you attend uh, uh, Saints Peter and Paul? Uh, grade school and middle school uh first through eighth yes. first through eighth and where did you go to kindergarten kindergarten was a public school called mckinley and it was at the top of our street there on east king street so it was very convenient and obviously cheap and so yep uh kindergarten was at mckinley yes i know mckinley well i was I, that was my old auto mater whatever i was that's where i went to alma mater that's where i went well I, I knew we were kind of from the same neighborhood yeah so yeah, absolutely. So your parents had you programmed. Did you have any brothers and sisters that, that forged a path for you there? Yes, my sister, uh, which was, uh, let's see, two grades ahead of me, did go to Bishop Kelly for one year, and she didn't care for the segregation, the girls, boys deal. And there was some situation about not getting in the Latin class. Anyway, there was some something along those lines so she went her sophomore year to will rogers but she attended kelly for one year and then my younger brother followed me at at kelly so it was just the three of us so so did you uh ride the bus from from uh peter and paul up to uh, kelly every day no i didn't and what was funny about that i think if you live within um well i can't remember all the circumstances but no most of the time i either rode my motorcycle or got a ride or that sort of thing, but I, I had a motorcycle pretty much all through my years at Kelly. So that's how I got to school basically. 
Very good. Very good. So uh, your parents programmed you in to go to Kelly. It was a fait accompli. <laughs> you had a choice of Kelly or Kelly and uh, you chose Kelly, uh, rightly so. So uh, th tell us about your, your, your experience at, at uh, Kelly coming in as a freshman uh, and you were, you, I guess in those days you could get a motorcycle license at 14. That's correct. So I actually had a motorcycle at the very end of my eighth grade at St. Peter and Paul. You, you must've been, uh, been the, the, the hot guy on the block. I mean, with, well, I don't know about that, but yeah. So th that was just something I've had all through, uh, all through high school, obviously. Th that set you apart. Uh, well, a little bit, but um, at least I was mobile and that, that sort of thing. So how did you handle the the, the weather uh, when you were riding uh, in the well, mornings? When it was when it got to be pretty inclement weather, then I would ride the bus. And the bus would be at Peter and Paul on the east side. I can't remember exactly. And then I would ride the bus uh, to Kelly on, on on those days. Yeah, it picked up in front of the old sanctuary. That's correct. Yeah, and uh, yeah. It was it was a lot of fun riding that every day there and then, then I think it was a van coming back because it was it was a little bit different uh, different setup on the return. I'm trying to remember what, how that worked and I actually don't remember. <laughs> so, it's probably a good thing. It's, it's yeah, not, maybe it's not, so. It's not memorable. So <laughs> as as uh, you uh, started your Kelly years, kind of paint paint a picture of how it was. I mean, you obviously matriculated from Peter and Paul to Kelly, so you had friends that you came with that you knew. Um, how did that, had that all work for you? You know, there weren't that many, uh, man, you know, now that you put it in that context, I'm trying to remember five or six, there weren't that many from Peter and Paul that went to Kelly, if I recall. And I thought that was always somewhat unusual, but there, there really weren't that many. So I, I kind of had to make new friends, so to speak, uh, once I got to Kelly, which for me really wasn't that difficult, wasn't that challenging. I think I just started to integrate pretty quickly with uh, some of the classmates that, you know, I still, gosh, you know, Wally Bryce and others and uh, the Gilpins. And it just seemed like, uh, uh, oh, gosh, oh, John Titus. It just seemed like there was several, there was a group of guys that I, I very quickly just kind of merged into, but uh, just kind of, just it just worked out that way. Well, that, that sounds, sounds great. So what would be your favorite class? If you can recall your, your freshman year? Oh, wow. Favorite class. You know, I, I wasn't that crazy about school in general. <laughs> so uh, I did have brother Bernadine for a while and then I, you know, wasn't quite making the grade, so to speak. So I got kind of bumped down to John Heckenkemper's class, so to speak. But, uh, you know, I kind of enjoyed all my classes. I, I oh man, that that's, not sure I had one that really stood out. Um, to be quite honest, at times I wasn't sure, you know, I, I was going to just trudge through high school. I, I had no ambitions early on of even going to college, to be quite honest. And as my Kelly career uh, evolved, I was taking a lot of courses at the Votech at night. Every single trade possibility uh, was entering, you know, was something I was considering. Sure. So what, what kinds of, of things did you take at Votech? Oh, my first class was introduction to uh, small engine repair. So basically working on lawnmowers. And then I took uh, paint and body and actually was able to, you know, do quite a bit of paint and body work, uh, which was kind of helpful. I took uh, air conditioning and refrigeration, which now would be HVAC kind of a deal. And I remember taking that. Oh, I took a lot of drafting which ended up helping me uh, in my 
later when I got to OU with the part-time work. So I was taking some drafting classes. Well, that sounds exciting. You know, I, I would think today uh, with the, the youth in high school, if they had a chance to, you know, sometimes in high schools, at least I know here in the, the Plano area, there's not a whole lot of tech school opportunity. There, there's not like auto and there's not, you know, other things, welding, uh, woodworking, all those kinds of things. It kind of went by the wayside because everybody was going to go to college and it was much more white collar, if you will, direction, not, not, not technical like that. Well, and also Bishop Kelly was a college preparatory school. So in that respect, you're absolutely correct. Where, where did you attend uh, your, your uh, tech school stuff? It was, uh, it was on Memorial and it was, I think it was just called Tulsa Votech and that facility or that building and all that is still there. And it's, it has grown immensely when I drive by there, but I think it was just called Tulsa Votech. And did you have to pay tuition to go there or was it because you were a Tulsa? Child? No, it was not. No, it was not free. And was so not free. Yeah, I, I paid my way. I had a part-time job. Uh, I was working at uh, Cedar Ridge country club, my dad's first cousin. So my second cousin was the manager. So I easily, you know, was employed there. And so I was able to have some income, so to speak, and also had to help pay my tuition at Bishop Kelly. So all that helped. What, what did you do at Cedar Ridge? Uh, in the summertime, I worked on the golf course at the concession stand, which was called the number 10 T. And then in the wintertime or the uh, weather that wasn't conducive to playing golf, I would work in the clubhouse helping the bartenders, you know, with ice and glasses and all kinds of stuff. So basically not quite a bus boy, but pretty close. But did you ever decide that uh, with your small engine background, want to go work uh, in the uh, shop where the, you know, the, the lawnmowers and all the other equipment that's used on the golf course? Actually, I was very, uh, I was somewhat interested because that scale of uh, equipment that works on a golf course is unbelievable. There's big, 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 big equipment versus little lawnmowers, but it always fascinated me because there was a lot of stuff. There was a lot of machinery involved in uh and even today in golf course maintenance. Did you do that all four years? Uh, you're at, you're at Kelly. I did it for three years. And then my fourth year, uh, that summer, I ended up working at uh, the Caterpillar uh, place, which was Albert equipment on Memorial. And so I was working uh, around some big earth moving equipment. Well, that had to be a great experience to go from, from the Votech, you know, classroom lab kind of application to that kind of shop. It, it actually was very, uh, well, it was very instructive. And it was amazing to see that level of mechanics because the equipment is so large, had all kinds of hydraulics. And a lot of the things they were working with was in, in their hand. And they'd be pushing all these buttons and they had these conveyor deals. And I was so used to being around like cars and that sort of thing where you're getting extremely filthy and dirty and maybe breaking your back and all that sort of thing. And these guys were managing these monster engines with a lot of hydraulics. So it was a whole different uh, perception of what different type of mechanics on a day to day basis uh, did for a living. So do you do you think that uh, some of that work that you did at Votech and then at the golf course and there at the equipment company paved a path for you in terms of of how you saw yourself 
uh, career-wise, things you were you were really interested in doing, the things that excited you? Well, I, the way I always perceived that, I always considered that as a plan B in the event I flunked out of college or actually I've looked back through my career and I've always thought, okay, during one of the downtimes, at least I can go do something with my hands, so to speak. And so I think I learned a lot and I haven't quite, it's now a super hobby. <laughs> I'm pretty much a, a, a gearhead when it comes to automobile and that sort of thing and, and you name it. And uh, I'm kind of a tool a geek, so to speak. And so some of that stuff rubbed off more as a, a major hobby than uh, work, so to speak. Yeah, I, I can appreciate that. I worked in a machine shop for a couple summers and oh wow, and uh, during, mainly during college, and it, it laid a foundation for me for things that I did later in my my career. And I, I look back on it and say, man, what a what a blessing that was to introduce me to all the the terminology and the processes and and see things done and actually physically do it, uh, which gives you a totally different flavor than if you're just talking about it. Well, you learn to appreciate hard work from those that are doing it <clears throat> when you realize, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of sweat equity. A lot of times in, with those, those folks that do that every day, you learn to appreciate them a lot more. Yeah. When it was 98 degrees and about, about 98% humidity, it wasn't particularly fun being inside a machine shop, but uh, Hey, those, those, that's, that's what youth is for, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, at the time it was, is what I, what you did. Um, so, so I'm, uh, would like to kind of redirect a little bit and talk a little bit about your, your Kelly career. Were you involved in sports? I, I wrestled, uh, for three of the four years and, uh, that was an interesting, uh, oh, adventure, so to speak. The, the team was pretty small my freshman and sophomore years and it started evolve. It got a little bit larger, but, uh, Kelly, I think it was either 73 or 74 was state champs. And so when I was first getting involved, I never got that good. I, I always like to say to most people, I was one of those guys that improved everybody else's record. <laughs> and so <laughs> that was my wrestling experience, but I, I learned a lot from it because it's a one-on-one -on -one sport and you can't blame anybody. You know, when you have a bad match or something, you know, there's no one to blame. There's no teammates. And so I look back a lot of times and there's a whole different mindset of, of wrestlers versus non-wrestlers. And then I don't think I was mean enough. I think, you know, good wrestlers are also very mean. <laughs> they like to hurt people. <laughs> and so anyway, I, I learned a lot and I appreciated probably some of the life uh, experience, so to speak, when, when you're up against something that's a lot bigger than you, so to speak, and much more challenging. I remember my wrestling days where, you know, you'd be up against a guy that was all muscled up and you knew was going to just kill you, so to speak, but you had to, in your brain, had to say, okay, I'm going to take this on and see what happens. So I, I appreciate kind of what I've learned uh, from that experience. Now, did you wrestle before you came to Kelly or did you start out fresh? No, I wrestled a little bit. Uh, the, uh, it was a city league of some sort. It wasn't related to, to uh, Saints Peter and Paul, but so it was some sort of, I think it was called Maxwell Recreation Center or something along those lines. And they had a city league. And so I, I wrestled in that. Uh, yes, I'm familiar with Maxwell Recreational Center. That, okay, that, that's I think, interesting. I think yeah. it's still there. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I think I think you're absolutely correct. Um, and, and it's interesting about wrestling, specifically in Oklahoma. Um, once you move go south to Texas for years, you just it's starting to happen a little bit more here. 
but you just don't hear much about it. And it's, and it's such an important sport in Oklahoma, but down here, it's kind of, you know, uh, it just doesn't get the play time that basketball and football and baseball receive. I was trying to tell my, my children about that and, uh, actually got them to go to some wrestling matches at OSU when they were at school there. And they thought, whoa, this is a, this is a different game. This is totally different. You're absolutely correct, and it's, it is interesting. There's a lot of wrestling history between Oklahoma State and OU and the rivalry, and we're talking uh, some Olympians that have come from both schools, um, most of which I, I followed you know, through the OU side. But surprisingly, you know, Oklahoma as a wrestling state uh, has been represented probably since the 1950s uh, to maybe the late 80s with some pretty outstanding wrestlers that uh, some were Olympians. Yes, yes, they were. And so uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a great sport. Now, did I uh, recall correctly that somewhere in your <clears throat> wrestling career you, you stopped because you had a motorcycle accident? That was exactly uh, what led to late junior year and then not wrestling senior year. Yeah. I uh, did a pretty good job of customizing an ankle and, and some other minor breaks. <laughs> <And then laughs> well, if, if I remember your recovery, it, it seemed like it took, took a while. It was uh, that shattering of my ankle uh, involved a couple of pins and one was pretty low and one was relatively high. And so those pins had to be in the inside the cast. They looked like bumps on the outside of the cast, but yeah, it was kind of a, I don't know, maybe at least eight week recovery on crutches. And then after that, uh, getting use of the foot or putting weight on it, it, it took a while. And uh, did the motorcycle go in the garage for, 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 for a while to, to, to uh, just cool it <laughs> until you were well, healed? It, it did for a while. Uh, and then I ended up, you know, repairing it and that sort of, yeah, for a while, my, my parents were not real, thrilled about any motorcycle anywhere in their sight, so to speak. I actually was kind of lucky, but uh, yeah, it was on a hiatus for a while. Under, understood. Well, that, you know, that kind of leads me to the the next question about uh, some of your, your favorite uh, courses at, at Bishop Kelly. Uh, obviously you, you wrestled. Uh, what, what, what courses did you did other than the Votech, which I know, obviously you, you were really stepping out to do that work, but at Kelly, what, 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 uh, really lit a fire under you? Oh man. You know, the biology class was, uh, and when you mentioned brother Michael, I, I always, I, I liked that a lot. I enjoyed the chemistry and, uh, you know, the mathematics at that time, you know, the geometry and the trig and that sort of thing. So I, I kind of gravitated to math, chemistry, and biology. I, I enjoyed those those classes a lot. And then, you know, towards the, I don't know, junior, senior year, when we had the boys home ec, that was the most fun class I think I've ever had in my life. And half of the time we were goofing off, you know, that sort of thing. But we actually learned a lot, you know, learned how to cook and, and that sort of thing. And and uh, in retrospect, when I look back, you know, that was a pretty, uh, it, it, it had some life skills that were very valuable. It was the, was cooking the, the number one life skill or were there some other things that were memorable as well? Well, I, I, I want to say that cooking probably was uh, one of the things that kind of stood out. But, you know, we kind of learned how to 
to do a budget, which, you know, I thought, okay, you know, I make a little bit of money. So how do you do a budget kind of deal? So a little bit of that. Oh, we actually had some courses in like sewing. How do you sew a button on, on your shirt kind of deal? You know, stuff that you kind of take for granted or take to the cleaners. <laughs> so there was a little bit of that very, very minimal, you know, sewing and that sort of thing. But I would just say things that you could, I don't know if you could live by yourself on your own based on that, but it would certainly, uh, I would call it some life skills, some introductory life skills. Sure, sure. Did you notice any crossover uh, in some of the, the science, biology, or, or, or math um, courses to the things you were doing at Votech, specifically when you got into drafting in some of those areas? A little bit of the drafting and geometry, obviously in some of the drafting, some of the things are geometric, so to speak. And so there was a little bit of that. So did you draw naturally? I mean, did, what, did, did you take the drafting because you drew? You know, it's interesting that you bring that up. I was taking art classes at about age 10 at Philbrook Art Museum. And I took my granddaughter and my daughter. There was a uh, art exhibit very recently, uh, and it had to do with uh, Frida K. Lowe or K. Ho. It's a Mexican artist. And it was at Philbrook. And I was trying to describe to them, my parents, to keep me out of trouble on the summers, would enroll me in the art class. And I had this little box that had oil paints and that sort of thing. And to this day, I have a hard time believing this, but I would get on the bus, the city bus. And it was one block away from our home, ride the bus. And I'm like 10 years old to Philbrook Museum, drop off, take my art classes and get back on. And then there were times you were taking palettes or different types of drawing material, whether it was pen or charcoal or pastels or whatever. And so I think I, obviously I enjoyed it, but maybe I had a little bit of a knack for some of that from the early age. So you're talking about Frida, the the unibrow Frida. Yes. Okay. Yeah, sure. What, a, what an artist. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Well, yeah, that, it was a pretty neat deal. And, you know, that was one thing I don't think they had it, Kelly. Did they actually have an art? Did they have an art uh, class? Wow. You know, now that you said that, if we did, it would have been maybe junior, senior year. But I, I don't recall that we did. I don't think we did. Yeah, I don't either. Well, it's it's something about your parents seeing that, that either we're going to at 10 years old, we're going to put him on a Tulsa bus, uh, which I know what it's like, not at 10, but just at, at uh, 14 or 15 to ride the bus downtown on a regular basis. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of scary. I mean, you know, it's, 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 well, it's, it's different. very different. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know that I would have put a, my 10 year old on a, on a bus uh, anywhere where I live, but uh, uh, that that's just the cha change of times. Well, Jerry, we're going to take a short break, and okay. uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about your Kelly career, and we'll talk about your transitioning into your collegiate life. So everybody, hold on, and we'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back. This is Barry Williams with Comet Talk, and we're talking to Jerry Medina, 
about his time at Bishop Kelly and then uh, his his time after Bishop Kelly. So, Jerry, thank you again for being here with us today in this discussion. And, you know, we were talking about Bishop Kelly and some of the classes you like. What what the other memories might you want to share that that uh, uh, it's up to you, good, bad or indifferent, however you want to uh, approach it about Bishop Kelly? Well, it was obviously a very good experience, and uh, or at least I, I've always felt that way in retrospect. And uh, I attended a uh, little fundraiser deal that Kelly had, I think it was just a couple of weeks ago, this uh, LaSalle uh, Society or whatever it is. And uh, it was fun to go back and kind of walk around and, and reminisce some of the things. A lot of obviously has changed, but it, it, I think I appreciate Bishop Kelly more now <laughs> than obviously when I was just in school, so to speak. But I think all in all, I enjoyed my high school experience. Um, I obviously, uh, well, I, I, I loved attending all the sporting activities, the football games and, and, you know, the wrestling matches, which I was in or on, in or not basketball. I just seemed to enjoy that. And I don't know if that was just a sense of community, so to speak, but I, I just gravitated to a lot of the sporting activities. And then some of the away games, I, I thought it was a lot of fun to get on my motorcycle and just, you know, hit the highway wherever it was, or whether it was Booker T or we, we had some football games in Miami and we had some in Joplin. And I remember just jumping on the bike and just blasting away. And I, I just enjoyed all that stuff. So uh, it, it was a lot of fun. I think in general, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I think it's a heck of a drive to Joplin, Missouri. I think there was like a bus trip to go up there and it was raining and cold and it was, it was a mess. Uh, but uh, that, that, that sounds exciting. So as you were starting to kind of, get a, a sense of of who Jerry is at in, in his senior year in high school. You've been taking Votech. You've had a little bit of art background in your, in your, earlier in your youth. You've been, been a, an athlete. Uh, you, you obviously love uh, the uh, motorcycling and, and the cy cycling in, in general. Um, so how, how are you starting to get a, a sense for who, where you're going to go to after this? Because uh, because you said earlier that when you were starting as a freshman, it was just going to kind of muddle through, and and then, and maybe even even HVAC or whatever might be Plan B for you, um, or repairing uh, repairing um, you know lawnmowers or something. But obviously that wasn't the, the that that never really came to pass. Pass. Um, so how how did that how did you start sizing up what what you wanted to do after after BK? Well, my senior year, I mentioned that uh, I worked uh, that summer at Albert Equipment, which is a big Caterpillar place. And my job was in the steam room. And as the Caterpillars, these big D10s or C10s, whatever they were, <clears throat> my job was to unload them off the trailer, which was frightening half the time that it wouldn't tump over, and get it into the steam room. And these cats had more mud in the tracks than you can imagine. Well, my job was to put on this rubberized suit uh, and this power washer and it, the, the force of the power washer would almost push me back. And so my job was to do that. It would be a hundred degrees outside in this steam room and doing this work. And by the end of that summer, I thought, you know what? My sister had already enrolled at OU and, <clears throat> and the notion of going on to college was looking better all the time. <laughs> and so that, that there was some incentive there to okay I'll try college and plus she had uh, kind of forged the 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 path so to speak of, of of attending University of Oklahoma and so in that respect I can I just kind of followed 
I, I understand. Uh, my sister went to OSU and I just, I just followed because that was the path that everyone knew, right? Yep. Parents knew the process and all that, how that kind of works. And it just worked out that way. So here you are in a steam room, probably got the, uh, the biggest hot seat, uh, <laughs> uh, power washer, steam, steam cleaner <laughs> known to man. And, uh, it's, it's 95 degrees outside. And, and as we know, steam is 212 degrees. So that, that I can, I can appreciate that. So how did, did you do that every day? Did you clean, clean, uh, uh, basically clean field equipment every day? Yes, I did. <clears throat> and for multiple, multiple hours. And then in between, if there was some weed eating that needed to be done, th there were some big hills that, that were on the sides of, of Albert equipment. And so if, if there was a gap between the steam room, then they say, Oh, here, here's a weed eater hit the hill, you know? And it was a big, anyway, there was a lot of grass to weed eat. And you know, that same thing, you're out in the heat and you're weed eating, uh, dealing with the spool and, you know, the string was always coming out of it and all that stuff. So it, it was a uh, very tedious, hot, uh, sweaty kind of work, which didn't bother me necessarily, but I just knew I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. <laughs> I had perfect, perfect motivation. So, uh, on you, you were going to OU. So did you pick your major and stick with it? Or did you make some changes as you get, as you started going through college? I think I probably changed my major probably four times. And my sister started out in pre-med. So, you know, the same old deal. Okay. I'll, I'll do the same thing she's doing. <clears throat> and the class, every career path or every uh, degree path has weeding out courses. And the weed out course for the pre-med was histology, if I recall. And it was the study of cells. And it was the most excruciating hard course. I mean, I was flunking like there was no, you know, so I dropped the course and decided, nah, this is way too hard. And so at that time, I thought, okay, engineering seemed to appeal to me. And so I started the engineering path. And the course uh, was called Rigid Body Mechanics. <laughs> and I was flunking that course. And it, it, was, it, was, it, it, was, it was one of those deals where I kept thinking, how come I can't grasp what I'm supposed to be learning here? <laughs> but anyway, I couldn't. And it, the, the, the most crazy example would be a street light. Even like now you go to any intersection, you have a street light that has a vertical pole and a horizontal pole. And in rigid body mechanics, you have to design the vertical pole and the horizontal pole so it doesn't fall over. And so basically, the sum of all forces equals zero. And, and that sounds very, very simple. But I, I could never figure it out in a practical, you know, the, my class assignments, I never could get it to equal zero. So anyway, I hated the thing. And so I dropped that. And then I just kind of floundered around. And I was doing some part-time work as a geological draftsman. And I was doing the part-time work in Oklahoma City. The geologists that I were I was working for were independent, small type of oil and gas kind of guys. And I started just getting this sense that, man, these guys have this little bitty old Dinko office. They work for themselves. Uh, they do what they do. They, they enjoy what they're doing. They're not, you know, by any means big oil men, so to speak. But it seemed like, oh, this those guys have a pretty interesting life that seems very comfortable. And, so I started gravitating towards petroleum geology, and that's kind of how I ended up. So let's roll back for just a second. So you applied for a job with these geologists, and they said, and you went in there not knowing anything about 
oil and gas or geology or anything like that. That's and correct. So, it was I was doing the drafting. So they just so say, draw me a picture. <laughs> well, drawing some maps or whatever they would ask me to do. So I was helping them with the drafting part of it. But I was around, obviously, the nomenclature. They would take me to lunch because they felt sorry for me. I was starving, you know, that kind of deal. And so I was around their little network of other independent geologists. And it just seemed like a really novel concept, A, to work for yourself and uh, make a living. And it seemed like some of these guys were making a pretty decent living. And so the appeal just it just keep, kept growing. So then what happened? Well, I, I went into geology and I ended up being a, a fifth year major to be able to finish it all up. So after five years at OU, I ended up with a degree in uh, bachelor's majoring in geology. And and did you go back to your your buds that uh, kind of brought you through the the fire, so to speak, or did you do you uh, go to work uh, for a firm? How, how did that all end up? Well, I ended up after graduating. Actually, before I graduated, I had a little bit before the term um, oh, internships. We were just student employees, so to speak. And the company was called Woods Petroleum in Oklahoma City, and they were a, a, a very large independent, originally family owned. And they were New York Stock Exchange and that sort of thing. But they had a uh, student employee in the geology department, in the engineering department, the land department, and the accounting department. And all of them came from OU. And so it was just kind of a pipeline. And if you worked out, they offered you a job. And so ended up with a real job, so to speak, with Woods Petroleum upon graduation. And so I started out with Woods. And uh, that was my first what I call real job uh, in the oil and gas business. That that was nice to go right from I guess uh, you graduated in 1979. It, it it turned out to be the December of 79, but they had actually offered me employment December, so July August. I still had a few classes to finish, but they said, "Hey, get those classes under your belt, so to speak, and here's a job offer, so to speak, or you know here here's what we can do." And so heck yeah, it was motivation to hurry up and and get on with them. So, so it, it, the timing of everything was good. And, and uh, yeah, I was very, very fortunate in that respect. So did you have to relocate from, from Norman or, or is Woods there local? Well, actually Woods was in Oklahoma city. So really no, it's just the commute. Well, that sounds fantastic. So uh, as you think about uh, your, your Kelly life and your, your college uh, career, and then boom, here, here's, here's uh, your, your life desire to to be in oil and gas you like the independent aspect of it did it did it come true or did you after a year or so you say well this isn't all it's cracked up to be no it was interesting <clears throat> at, at that time the quote-unquote oil boom was you know in its heyday and headhunters would be calling like weekly with you know company cars expense accounts uh stock options and you know all this money and all that stuff and so it was very, very tempting to just jump and, and do that sort of thing. But I kind of stuck with the company. And then I was approached by a, a, a gentleman that I knew. His son went to school with the son and he was working as a consultant. And so they offered me a consultant kind of job. And at the time, my in-laws thought I had lost my mind to go work for myself as a consultant, quote unquote, you know, self-employed when I had a job with benefits and health insurance and all that kind of crazy stuff. So I, I made that leap in 1981 as a consultant. And uh, surprisingly, 
today, I'm still doing the same thing <laughs> after 40 something years. And I, I find now when I look back and the clients that I have now, uh, I, I could be their father basically in the meetings and so to speak. And I'm the oldest guy in the room, so to speak, but I'm still doing the same thing. Well, that's fantastic. So somewhere in there, you must have gotten married. You, you mentioned uh, in-laws and their their perspective in terms of your career choices. Uh, so share a little bit about that, if you would. Well, uh, actually, I've been married twice. And the first marriage was the uh, August of my high school, well, after graduation, Allison Ratliff. So we were married when we got to OU. And so that daughter, uh, Alicia, lives in Bixby when you mentioned something about Bixby. And so she has three children. So I have three grandchildren from her. And then there was a second marriage. And from that marriage, one daughter and three more grandchildren. So that's kind of how all that evolved in, in the, the metro area. Fantastic. Six grandchildren. That's uh that's, yep. that's quite a mark. It's nothing like John Addison, but uh, it's uh, for those who don't know, John is, is viewing this and grinning from ear to ear. Uh, so uh, that's, that's, Fantastic. So uh, tell us, Jerry, um, as you as you sit here today, you mentioned 40 some odd years and, and you also said you didn't know exactly how retired was spelled earlier. earlier. Um, uh, what, what are your plans? Well, I actually don't have any. I plan to work. Um, this is a, a career path that I've discovered that I really, really enjoy. And there's so many different aspects of geology, primarily the petroleum side. But I've also been involved, I do some consulting for a company out of Woodward that explores for iodine, and they are owned by a Japanese uh, public company on the Tokyo Stock Exchange. And so I'm the geologist that works that general area for the extraction of, uh, it's actually saltwater or brine, and one of the uh, byproducts of that is iodine. And so there's some geology associated with that. So that's more of a mineral extraction aspect. And then right now, uh, the, the bulk of my consulting involves the Corporation Commission as an expert witness in geological matters. And so companies hire you. There's a whole bunch of regulatory stuff you need to do to get a well drilled. And so as a result of that, I have clients that say, hey, we're, we're trying to do this, get this done and that sort of thing. And so there's expert testimony associated with that. There's a little bit of district court work, which isn't is not something I, I is that much fun, but it is an aspect of consulting. And then most recently, I've got involved with a an operator in Illinois, who has uh, been in the oil and gas business for he's second generation, and there's some activity going on up there that needed some work and consulting. And so I'm actually doing some work in Illinois and getting up there maybe every two months, driving up to Mount Vernon and getting involved in what's going on in, up there. So the way I look at it, it's so multifaceted that I think uh, I just plan to do this until the, until the pencil drops. <laughs> so were, were you ever part of the fracking uh, boom that occurred, uh, I guess, in Oklahoma and in Texas? It, it's actually still ongoing. And I Pennsylvania am too, I guess. It, yes, it's, it's still ongoing. And I'm involved from the regulatory side a company that's involved uh, in fracking wells like every week, so to speak, in Western Oklahoma. So I'm very involved. I don't design them or actually have anything to do with the actual implementation, but from the geological point and uh, getting the wells ready to be drilled, to be fracked, I'm, I'm heavily involved in that. 
Well, I would highly recommend you listen to Phil Sebihar's um, oh, wow. episode because uh, he talks about some of his early career in terms of uh, them shooting uh, uh, bullets, if you will, uh, rounds into the, into the ground uh, and measuring it down a pipe and me measuring the sound waves and some of the early work that he did uh, in that area. And he was th actually thinking about writing a book about some of that, that early technology and, and how it got passed on to, to where it is today. Uh, so that, that you might find that, that might find that interesting. Oh, I'm sure I would. Well, as, as we start to think about the episode of, of Jerry Medina for Bishop Kelly, is there anything you'd like to share or add that you think would be, be interesting to our listeners? I, I don't know how interesting it may or may not be, but I, I've kind of become an, an amateur historian on the side. And through my oil and gas activity, being in, in some little podunk, little old towns in different parts of Oklahoma, when we were either drilling, testing, or some of my work, uh, well site and that sort of thing. I became very fascinated with the history of Oklahoma and a lot of the migratory patterns since my parents were immigrants. And I didn't realize all of that until after they passed away and then started getting into some genealogy and some Oklahoma history and how many different ethnicities that migrated into Oklahoma that was read, part of it was related to the land run, but as a result of that, I've gotten really heavily involved, even to this day, uh, with the Oklahoma History Center, as well as uh, the genealogy stuff, but trying to put connecting more of the dots of Oklahoma and the contributions that the different ethnicities, you call them minorities, whatever you want to call them, contributed to the state of Oklahoma, and the story hadn't been told. And so as a result of that, I and bringing in, obviously, a little bit more of the Mexican side of the story, which in Oklahoma, the history of the Mexicans uh, probably starts, you know, with coal mining and then agricultural and even cowboys running cattle and that sort of thing. So anyway, it's kind of morphed. And so I don't know how that really relates much to, to Bishop Kelly, but I remember Oklahoma history and Bishop Kelly was like, uh, was it Mr. Hayes, if I recall? And we were supposed to memorize the five civilized tribes or something like that, you know. So <laughs> I look back now, I, I just find it a hoot. But I've been become kind of engrossed in that. And then when you tie in some of the Catholic Church and how it evolved in the state of Oklahoma from the historical standpoint, that's kind of my side kind of, I don't know if you'd call it hobby, maybe passion. Uh, it's developed into a little bit of a side passion. Well, it was interesting in the discussion with uh, uh, Brother uh, Michael Witt, um, he, uh, well, he's now Monsignor, um, we, we, he's talk, we're talking about history, uh, in specifically in Oklahoma and about how, uh, the Bishop that was located in Fort Smith at the time in, in, in the 1800s, uh, didn't have the staff to go and, and minister to and set up churches for, uh, of several of different, uh, um, European groups, Irish, Scottish, so on, that settled in parts of Oklahoma, specifically in southeastern Oklahoma, they were involved in mining coal. And so the the uh, the Methodist circuit riders, there weren't Catholic circuit riders, but there were Methodist circuit rider preachers who would set up churches and then 
ride a circuit, right? And they would visit the town once a, once a month or once every six weeks, depending on what their circuit was. And, and that's why in, in, uh, and I think even Italians, there's even Italians in, in Southeastern Oklahoma that are, that were, came up through the Methodist tradition rather than the Catholic tradition, because the Catholic church couldn't get to them. They didn't have the manpower to do it because they didn't have a circuit rider system. And, uh, and so, you know, he has, he's been tracking a lot of history of, of, uh, the development of uh, Catholicism in, in the States, specifically in the West and specifically in, you know, Oklahoma, Missouri, Kansas, I don't know about Arkansas so much, but uh, he's a really interesting person to talk to in, in that regard. So same, down, down the same path that, that, that you were talking about. It's a real fascinating story. And it's amazing how intertwined history is with religion, different ethnicities, et cetera. And the whole picture, when you put it all together, it's really a fascinating story. It's even amazing when you drive up to Tulsa from, from North Texas and you're going up 75, 69, and you'll see, you'll go through areas where there's still surface mining coal just on the other side of that hill <laughs> on 75 or 69, whatever you want to call it, is, yep. you know, is uh, activity going on. And you'll see coal trains running running you know those tracks that have been there for years and years and years moving coal it's uh it's, it's really quite interesting that that's that's some really old old operations it is very old over there yep well one of the things that that we we like to have fun doing and, and talking to to our our graduates and our, our our classmates when we do this these episodes you, since you you've had not had a chance to hear most of them so you don't know some of our tricks of the trade but uh, we like to ask a an interesting question. And, and it's, and it kind of goes along this way that uh, you're familiar with Superman, I'm sure. And Spider-Man as well. And Wonder Woman, they all had superpowers. What is your superpower? Oh man. I don't know if it's just the ability to persevere. Maybe I, I don't really know. It's just, uh, there's been so many ups and downs, uh, both from the oil and gas business, the career, personal, you name it. And it just seems like uh, over time, it, it's all worked out quite well. And so I don't know if, if, if perseverance falls in, into that category, but maybe that maybe I would like to say that I have been able to do that and, and appreciate, and I've been humbled and that sort of thing, but maybe it's perseverance. Well, that that's an incredible superpower that being that patient <laughs> uh, and, and ha hanging in there. Uh, so the second part of that question is, is that, that usually a superhero can trace their superpower back to something like for instance the uh, superman is the sun uh spider-man was was bitten by a radioactive spider and uh for for wonder woman it was aphrodite the mythical uh greek god so what would be your source of that perseverance uh that, that you have that is your superpower in retrospect i'd have to say my dad and uh, the more i think after he passed away which has been 10 years the notion that he of all of his family and extended family and everyone, he was the quote unquote, the black sheep that decided to come to the United States. And so all the rest of them stayed. So he left his country, he left his family, he left his friends. And my mom was pregnant at the time. So he came by himself the first week of November in 1952 to basically live the American dream or try to establish the American dream. And so when I look at how difficult, he didn't even know how to speak English very well. He had a job in 30 days at Safeway. 
And then to think of all the obstacles being an immigrant at that time, and it wasn't cool to be a Mexican then, and it's probably not that cool to be a Mexican now, but you know now it's just called Hispanic and that sort of thing. And it was very derogatory a lot of times for Mexicans, and it's all been written, so I'm not making any of this up. But anyway, the point is of his ability without more than a high school education to get us all through parochial schools, even though we had to contribute some, it doesn't matter. We all got through parochial schools. My sister went on to Harvard for medical degree. I ended up at OU. My brother ended up at OU. He ended up with a master's degree from some banking place in Wisconsin or whatever. But anyway, the, the, the when I look back, of you know, basically they showed up with a shoebox and a dream and were able to live the American dream through their kids. So I don't know. I kind of look at that and go, wow, I don't know if I could have done that. Well, I think I think that uh, now you look back and that 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 spider bit you, uh, <laughs> and you probably didn't appreciate it as much until now. You look back and you go, "Wow, that was that was something else." That's correct. Well, that is a that is a wonderful observation and also a great great thought uh, for all of us to think about in terms of where we are in our 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 lives. And and I really appreciate your your sharing that with us. And um, and before we break, is there anything else you'd like to say before we say bye to all of our, our listeners? No, I just think it was a great opportunity, and I appreciate the inv invitation. And uh, golly, it just seems like it's kind of a humbling experience to be able to share all this stuff, where we started, how we started, where we are now. It, it, it's a neat, it's a neat uh, thing that you guys have started, and I really do appreciate it. Well, thank you, Jerry, and, and thank you, John Addison, for, for helping producing and, and Jim Reed for editing. And uh, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time on Comet Talk. Comet Talk.